everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Bill, Dan, and Drew. And yes, we are here ready to talk with you from the Wow Business Studio. That's right. You can get the speed you need with super fast business internet when you switch to Wow. Visit wowforbusiness.com. Hour number one of The Drive brought to you by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one and the number to get you through to The Drive because they also sponsor our hotline is 334-321-1390. Again, that's the number we use for guests when they can't be with us here in the studio. And, of course, your calls. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive text box, presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Had a lot of folks the uh, day last week when the phone wasn't working. Yeah. Had a lot of folks send, uh, send yeah. Uh, yeah, messages, questions, and comments into the Drive text box. That number, 334-564-1840. Uh, leave a, uh, a name if you'd like us to uh, mention you on the air if we choose to read your message. So, uh, so welcome in. Uh, let's see, a couple of, uh, well, one programming note for you in that uh, our normal Tuesday afternoon 4 o'clock guest, Barrett Sally, has coaching duties this afternoon. He's coaching Little League, trying to, uh, I, I don't know that he would say emulate the, the start of the Braves. But, you know, he'd like him to play like I that. I think he wants that job someday. I think he's working his way. Hopefully, you know, if he, if he can win enough at the Little League level, yeah, that's right. Yeah, become get, become a legend there. Yeah, in, gets, in, in the greater Atlanta area. Yeah, Barrett's got time. You know, I think he could. You know, it's it's um it's a roundabout way to manage a major league team, uh, but but I think Barrett could pull it off. You know, he's got the the acumen. So yeah, we're not going to talk with Barrett Salit today. Uh, so uh, that's a, a disappointment. But we'll talk to him soon as as we'll get a roundup of he's paying attention to everything going on around that's the right. SEC, all, all the spring games going on around the SEC and the country. Yeah, there's lots of, um, I mean, when you think about the different uh, coaching changes that were made around the league, when you think about the quarterback movement that we've seen around different places in the SEC and, and all the, the new, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of teams in the conference could be starting first-year uh, new, newly arrived yeah. quarterbacks, including Auburn. You're Zach, right. Zach Calzada starts opening day. Auburn will or, be starting a, a, a quarterback who wasn't the starter at the beginning of That's the right. I mean, it's a question of whether T.J. Finley can <laughs> right. remain the starter from the end of the season or if he's going to be beaten out by Zach Calzada or Robbie Ashford or Holden Gurner, I guess for that matter, although it seems like Gurner is somewhat behind the rest of the group right now. But no, around the league, right? you got um, uh, Spencer Rattler at South Carolina. You've got, uh, the, you know, the one I keep forgetting about is uh, Jackson Dart 
at Ole Miss, the, right. the, the USC quarterback mm-hmm. that was uh, that decided to part ways uh, with the Trojans after Lincoln Riley arrived on campus. Uh, um, A&M got Max Johnson from LSU. Uh, you've got the that's going to be an interesting battle, by the way. The, the quarterback from the, the quarterback who started the year at A and M last year, uh, Haynes King, right against against Max Johnson, and uh, uh, apparently Haynes King really struggled uh, in in think, the in I, the Texas A and M spring game. I kind of think Max Johnson's going to win that. And Max job. Johnson played very well. I could see Max Johnson. Doesn't he feel like a Jimbo quarterback too? Like doesn't, doesn't Max Johnson do a lot of? Yeah, the, it's like, funny. I I. I Heard an interview with, uh, I, I didn't get to hear who was being interviewed, but he said Jimbo was raving about Haynes King before the spring game, and then Haynes just went out and really, really struggled, and Max Johnson had a great game, and after the game, Jimbo was like, just don't ask me any questions. You people take too much, you know, you, you, you take things too serious. I should look this up before I ask you this question. Did Jimbo coach Brad at some point in the, were there, were there paths of intersection? He wasn't at Florida State then, was he? Would Jim- I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so no, either. No, no, but no, it just no. it just crossed my mind that maybe maybe Jimbo at some point you know was was uh, was also Brad's coach, which would only help, I imagine, uh, Max Johnson standing in in that quarterback battle. But at the same time, I think Max Johnson, even if he was uh, the son of no uh, noteworthy quarterback, uh, he still got the ability. Uh, LSU has um, speaking of Max Johnson, LSU adds uh, Jalen Daniels from uh, from Arizona, Ar- State. Ar- Arizona State's quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there, there's a lot of. Uh, yeah. I mean a lot. I mean, and the quarterbacks. A lot of new faces, but they're not new to college football. Well, and, a lot of them. And the quarterbacks that remain in the conference in the West, especially when you think about Bryce Young and uh, Will, Rogers Will Rogers and uh, Jefferson at Arkansas mm-hmm. uh, coming back for another year. I mean, the quarterbacks that remain uh, the, the starters from last year look like they're in pretty good shape too. I mean, this is a um, Auburn, notwithstanding, because it remains to be seen what's going to happen when the dust settles at quarterback for Auburn. The other six teams. Bill, correct me if I'm wrong, look to be, as a group, about in as good a shape as I can remember since the SEC went to seven teams in each division. I think the West, I think this looks like, this looks like one of the better years for the SEC West because a lot of these teams in the West, especially right now, feel like they're trending in the right direction, right? When you think about individual yeah, yeah, programs. Yeah, I think so. The fan base is optimistic, yes. I mean, I mean, yes, some of them have first year, I mean, you have, you have uh, Brian Kelly at LSU in his first year, but for the most part, these are places that feel like they're yeah. These are schools that feel like they're going in the right direction. That's not to say that Auburn can't win some games in the SEC West in 2022. But no, this this looks like a uh, pretty formidable division, and a big reason why is uh, the fellows that are playing quarterback for for each of these uh, different programs because a couple of them have played very well in their college football careers, and a couple of them are coming in with expectations from having played well at other stops, although. The fact that they're in the transfer portal does, you know, there's there's some question of, of exactly what you're getting, but yeah, you know, here's here's the interesting uh, an interesting thing though. I'm thinking about these guys; they haven't won an awful lot. They've they played. They've had no, some, right. they had good performances of the of the incoming of yeah, the incoming transfers, but yeah. they haven't won a ton of games. No, I mean Jackson Jackson Dart hasn't played that much. He got he got in when uh, when Slovis got hurt at USC, but Jackson Dart was you know he was and, and Max was a 500 quarterback at LSU. Right? Max was a, a quarterback who battled for playing time in his uh-huh. two years as the as the LSU uh, quarterback or one of one of LSU's quarterbacks and uh, and Arizona State was no great shakes either. Although that's 
I mean, I don't know how much I don't know how much you blame one guy. I know, I know, but I mean, I a, lot, no, I a lot of times they get so much credit. Sure, they get tons absolutely, of credit when their team wins, and they get most of the blame when their team doesn't. And I guess there's still a question of whether or not it's going to be Daniels at LSU because they also have Miles Brennan coming back, don't they, to battle for right. that job? But I mean, I I, I would uh, no, you're right. That's a fair that's a fair question. I mean, even Spencer Rattler. Right, I mean, who was uh, lost his job? The Heisman favorite, right? Going, I mean, these these are um, these are these are talented that's players. Why, and you're who, right. That's why they're that's why they were in the transfer you know, portal in many cases. If you're looking at wins and losses, I mean, Calzada probably yeah. you know probably yeah. played as well. And that's something people don't you know. Sure, it's like, well, it doesn't matter. Right. Well, I, and I think I think maybe some of it was the feeling. Although when you watch, especially the Bama and Auburn games. I think people have this idea that Calzada was a game manager and Calzada was a caretaker for an offense and all he did was hand it off and make safe throws to wide open receivers. There are a couple of times in the Bama game, oh, especially the Alabama game. And there are a couple of times when the Auburn game is tight where Zach Calzada's got to put some air on it and he's got to find a guy who isn't wide open but has I mean so yeah, that's a uh, that's a quarterback who when he's totally healthy, uh I mean it's it's uh you know, it, it's uh, it's it could it could bring, especially if if he's if, if he's considerably sharper than all of the other options, it could bring a dimension uh, to this offense that, that isn't there right now. Because Zach Calzada, I mean, it's I don't know. I think some people maybe underestimate how good he was at times for Texas A and M last year, even if he began the year uh, as, as the backup quarterback. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Um, something we we didn't. I mean, we have it maybe helped. Of, it maybe helped Zach Calzada. I mean, it depends because you don't know how he would have played. But it almost feels like participating in Saturday's game harmed T.J. Finley's standing in in a lot of people's minds, right? I mean, it's it was a, it was and and especially the folks who only get to see the team from the outside. I mean, we don't know exactly how T.J. was performing in the other practices that weren't open to the public, but on Saturday. Uh, you know, like the you know the the tone of yesterday's show. If people missed it, right, was you know it's it's tough to feel it's tough to feel a great deal of optimism about the 2022 Auburn Tigers if TJ Finley is the quarterback. And that's not to say you, you need to feel great about the situation if it's Calzada or it's Ashford. But you know, just just not a not a very inspiring performance. You know, not a not a performance that gives you a lot of hope uh, for for what. Uh, the season could look like, you know, with with TJ at the helm, uh, based on based on what he did on Saturday. That's that's a fair assessment, right, Bill? I mean, yeah, it, I agree. I mean, it's it's just not. It's tough to, yeah, it's it's tough to, uh, it's it's tough to think that that he's, you know, based on what you saw Saturday, that that he's really close to uh, uh, to, to leading a team to playing winning football in in the SC. What what did you think all told of? You you don't want to project what you saw in a spring game. When it comes to somebody like Robbie Ashford, somebody you're seeing for the very first time, especially somebody who maybe plays a style that doesn't lend itself to spring games, what did you think of your of your first real taste of uh, of, of Robbie Ashford at quarterback uh, in, uh, in in the spring game on Saturday, Bill? I was very impressed with. Um, I mean, I, I thought he made good decisions. A lot of times, when a guy's just um, when when you hear, well, he's really athletic, it's going to be somebody who appears to want. To run at every, you know, at the first opportunity. And that's not what Robbie Ashford appeared. Of course, again, it wasn't, you know, live. He wasn't uh, able to be tackled to the ground or anything like that. Um, I thought it was funny a couple of times when the whistle blew and he just sort of skipped a little bit like, oh, come on now. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I was really impressed. And again, as we said yesterday, that was against the first defense. He made some nice throws 
nice checks and you know uh, made some made some really good plays I thought against the first D so yes he really he really um, stepped up I thought and added his name he's got to be considered a legit candidate now yeah I mean at the very least it wasn't somebody who who shrunk in the moment right it wasn't I mean maybe Robbie Ashford's been playing well all spring and, and we just don't get to see it and this was you know the, the first chance maybe maybe he played better than he'd played at any other point in the spring on Saturday. We, we, we don't know although I mean we were hearing his name toward the end of spring practice about how he was improving. Uh, I wonder. I mean, this may be, and it probably is. He played baseball. He was playing baseball during the spring the last two years at Oregon. This has got to be the most extended time he has had working in the offseason toward football. Something else to remember with Robbie Ashford. I mean, this is a guy who had other opportunities upon leaving Oregon, right? This is a guy oh, yes. who could have gone elsewhere, you know, where, where maybe the picture or the path for playing time was a little bit more clear than it is at Auburn. So so maybe there's something we don't know about, you know, Robbie Ashford and, and the... Uh, well, he's big, he's fast, yeah. and he has a strong heart. Exactly. Maybe, maybe you I know, because we, we, what we don't know is precisely how the coaching staff feels about Robbie Ashford's prospects for playing this year. We can interpret... And, and we can sort of uh, we can read into things, but we, we don't know you know really how they're how they're feeling about this this quarterback picture beyond what we saw them do uh, on on Saturday, what we've seen in, in other limited glimpses. I just wonder if I mean may, maybe Robbie Ashford is maybe Robbie Ashford's always been more of a contender than than we realized to either win or at the very least you know uh, compete for this starting job. For, for much of the offseason. Well, as as uh, somebody mentioned the other day, coming out of high school, he was the most highly touted of the guys that Auburn has. And the other thing I'm going to throw out and there... And that can, you know, it's not everything, but it's also not insignificant. It's also fair to wonder, because some people thought when Auburn brought in uh, Robbie Ashford, they'd already had, they already had Calzada, right? Calzada had already oh, yes. committed. Uh-huh. So some people thought with Calzada and Finley... Why are you bringing in another upperclassman quarterback? Right. And I posited, was it last week on the show? I think. Well, what happens if, what happens if the loser of the Finley Calzada battle is so disappointed with the fact that they're not the number one that they want to go play somewhere else? Then you would need a quarterback like Robbie Ashford at the very least, right? I mean, if if, mm-hmm. if Robbie Ashford's the three, you can see why m- maybe your number two isn't going to be as bought in as they need to be, and they might look to play somewhere else, moving Robbie Ashford or uh, or someone else up to the number two role. You know, if that's the not that's maybe the worst case scenario of what you could of what you could get out of a Robbie Ashford in this situation, and what you you know the 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 more that you could get in this situation. I mean, the uh, the profit you could get on this investment would be. Uh, would be something really substantial if he turns out to be the best quarterback of the bunch, and I wouldn't rule it out right now, right? I mean, it's it's it based on what we saw Saturday and the fact that we we're still waiting to see what's going to happen with with Zach Calzada and and his recovery from the injury. I know he's gotten a lot of mental reps, but I don't know. Robbie Ashford's really thrown a uh, Robbie Ashford and the disappointing performance by T.J. Finley on Saturday have seemingly thrown this this quarterback battle. Uh, you know, in, into uh, in, in, into something, and I would say Calzada's injury too. Calzada's injury 
Ashford's performance and Finley's performance, if you ask us to forecast the quarterback battle now, it's, I mean, it's pretty I mean, murky. It's definitely more up in the air. It's more up in the air. But, uh, but yeah, one thing I wanted to come back to was Jimbo Fisher telling people, don't pay attention to the struggles that Haynes King had out here today. Now, I didn't hear Brian Harson saying, don't pay attention to TJ's struggles. But the, you do have to, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Take what you saw on uh, on 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 the spring game with a little, you know, with a little grain of salt. Right. You don't you don't want to you don't want to take like the spring it, game that, and say you know yeah. that's the decision has got to be based just on what well, what you saw. And I would say especially in the case of TJ and Robbie, right? Like don't mm-hmm. don't think that okay, well TJ Finley has played his last snap of football at Auburn because of what you saw. It didn't on Saturday. help TJ, and it, it surely didn't hurt Robbie though. Exactly. I mean, just based on you know, but but using what limited info we have. Um, you know, that's that's not to say what kind of season Robbie Ashford would have, right, if he was the quarterback all season long or anything like that. I mean, it's it's more up in the air than that. But, uh, yeah, just it, it does feel like, you know, Ashford's made a really good case uh, all spring long and, and culminating with the performance on Saturday. And for TJ, it, it does... <clears throat> It, it it does seem like you know he's got he's got work to do to um to inspire confidence in folks that that he can be uh, that that he can be the guy and, and Auburn can uh, turn their fortunes around with TJ Finley at the helm. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Bill Dan Drew at the controls here on the Tuesday Drive. We'll get to our first break if we have a chance. We'll let you listen to some of Brian Harson's post a game comments. Uh, a day. Uh, comments and uh, of course anything you want to talk about though we welcome your calls 334-321-1390 join us here on the Tuesday Drive The Drive continues Continues. Continues. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga to be a part of The Drive call 334-321-1390 toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan here in the Wild wow Business Studio, and we'd love for you to join in. What did you think of A Day? Um, if you if you were there, or maybe you know maybe you uh, had a chance to watch it. We we'd like your thoughts on that. Has it changed? Do you still um, do you still have the the same feelings about the upcoming fall that you did? Before spring practice, yeah, I'd like to know, especially you know, individuals. You know, if there's anyone who's you know on your radar. You know, you you were talking about some of the tight ends yesterday, Bill, as guys who, you know, beyond John Samuel Schenker, you know, there there are players who have made a, a pretty good case for for playing time. Feels like something of a resurgence for for Brendan Frazier, right? Who who is uh, oh uh, yeah w- was uh, Brandon for for Brendan Frazier? Yeah, I mean, I, you can say it where it sounds both ways. Yeah, yeah, for for Bren- Brendan Frazier from <laughs> from George of the Jungle and. Airheads. No, so it, it, uh, Brandon Frazier, who is different than Brendan Frazier, right? Um, who is a, a heck of an actor. Great, great to see him and stuff. Uh, but uh, Br- Brandon Frazier was was somebody who you know we we've heard some folks talk about 
after, especially after Saturday. Well, a lot of folks last year were wondering what had happened to him. Where was he? Because he he we just did not see him last year. But um, I I, re- I remember when we were uh, when we were spending some time with the coaches. He really was mentioned. I mean, uh, an, an awful lot of talk about how he had stepped up. Then we B- saw Bedell, Brad Bedell mentioned him. Yes, right? he yeah. did. And uh, I mean, he really he catches the ball. Soft hands is what it appears. I mean, uh, ones you know, reaching out and his hands are big. The ball looks small in his hands, but I mean, just reaches out and sort of, you know, plucks the pass. Made some really nice catches on Saturday. What did we What did we finally determine? Auburn tight ends caught. Um, about a dozen passes on Saturday. Yes, and I mean a really nice performance, you know, by by a group that is. I mean, I would say Auburn feels as good about the the, the group they've got there, the first four or five options they've got at tight end, as they do at any position on the team. When you think about the experience level, I mean, when when someone like Micah Riley Ducker or or Landon King or, or Brandon Frazier could be your fourth or fifth string options right. at, at that position. I mean, that that's a sign of the strength Auburn seems to have coming in. We are, uh, you know, it's a little murkier at wide receiver, right? Although there are players who have uh, ma- made cases at different points in their Auburn careers for playing time. You were impressed with uh, you were impressed with Capers. You said right. It was it was good to see. Yeah, and he got talked about yep. uh, because obviously, I mean, he made a couple of nice plays and. Um, you know, a couple of the players were saying that he's done a 180 this spring and and really is uh, um, focusing and is consistent day in and day out. And that's something, there's no question about that uh, Brian Harson wants guys that that he knows what, you know, what to expect out of them on a regular basis. That's, that's the thing. I mean, uh, I know nobody loves practice, but... Coaches need to know what they're going to get every time out, and apparently that's something. Xavier has shown flashes in the past. I mean, he's a he's a uh, tall, uh, athletic receiver, and you know if he could be somebody. I think that could be a big help to the Auburn offense to have that you know six four, six three, six four guy that that can go up and catch it, and then make something happen after he catches the ball. There isn't a spot on the team where Auburn, I mean, where, where Auburn isn't. I mean, Auburn is is desperate for a receiver to step up yeah. and say like and make a case that they belong in the rotation and can be counted on that's, as that's a, as probably more than any other position. Exactly, that's what I mean. More than I mean, any other position. At, at virtual, I mean, they they love. I mean, they'd love a quarterback, but you can argue that you've seen more out of Zach they Calzada. May have a quarter, I mean, the, yeah, you've the seen chances more out of, are they can they can get by with quarter with with the quarterbacks they have if they have a a playmaking receiver. You've probably seen more out of Zach Calzada as a college football player than you have of any Auburn yeah, receiver. I, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, and you know you're you're more confident in in his ability if he's the starter uh, than uh, at least to what we've seen so far. Uh, you know any of the options Auburn's got at, at wideout, which is a you know, sort of a scary proposition for a team that needs to improve. And you know one of the spots where they really need to improve is at a, at at you know through the passing offense. Uh, you know whether it's wide receiver, quarterback, tight end, they have to figure out a way uh, to uh, to throw the ball better. So yeah, it's something to uh, something that we're going to watch for. I, it remains to be seen if Auburn can add a player or two as a pass catching option. Uh, in yeah. the uh, in the portal, that, that sure no guarantees. That no guarantees to be that kind of guy out there. But that's, that Auburn can get. That's right. But we've but we've wondered. You know that that's been one of the spots along with edge where it, mm-hmm. it feels like. 
Yeah, and, and speaking of age, a player that Auburn had um, been interested in, we do know that Auburn had contacted him. Damian Robinson uh, from Maryland has committed to Penn State. So scratch that guy off the uh, list of possibilities there at edge. Again, Auburn's got two good edges in Derek Hall and Echo Leota and um, a promising youngster in Dylan Brooks. But Saturday, we saw both Hall and Leota on the field together a good bit. And if you only have one guy backing them, that's a, that's, Not just that's, one. that's a tough situation. It one, it's an inexperienced yeah. redshirt freshman is all you have. It's, it's one guy behind your two, your two guys. Didn't play a snap of defensive football last right. year, right? I mean, so it's a uh, yeah. I mean that that's that's a spot where I mean the numbers. Unless Auburn feels great about a walk on or two's ability to produce, uh, you know, it, it does feel like something of a, of an emergency as far as Auburn needing to add somebody for depth purposes or maybe more than one player uh, for, uh, for for depth purposes at that position between now and, and the start of, of fall practice. That's not to say, I think one of the key differences between edge and receiver, though, is you don't have a receiver you feel uh, has a, a Derek Hall-sized uh, value to the team, right? Like D- Derek Hall individually has, I mean, I think about... The, no, okay. What so, I mean is is that the no, the, no, the I, top of the depth chart at defensive end at edge, even though you only have three scholarship players. Oh, it's SEC. Position. It's definitely SEC caliber. Maybe you know all conference. Right. Talent. What you're, what, what you're looking you're for. Nowhere, you're nowhere yes. near that in proven talented receiver. What you're looking for in someone who can contribute. Uh, at defensive end is maybe somebody who can, you know, in case of emergency, go in and and give you some snaps or or maybe more than that. But it's not we need someone to come in and start. Auburn, you can make no. the case, needs someone right. to come in and start at, at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And that's what they could be looking for in the transfer portal between now and the start of the season. Uh, you're, you're right. We're approaching our bottom of the hour break. Uh, tell you what, if, uh, if, if we have time, we'll run some... Brian Harson on the other side. We'd love for you to join in. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise. Auburn baseball coming up tonight. The Tigers hosting Samford. It's Bark in the Park night. Not not going to terrorize the crowd by taking uh, the duster over there. Oh, so, does Sonny get to see the old team, right? So the uh, the Samford, right? Is that, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's how exciting. For, we'll ask him about that tomorrow yeah. when, he, when he joins yeah, the... He, when he, he and Brooks Cross, right. Um, stick with us. Again, if we uh, have time, we'll run some Brian Harson when we come back here on the Tuesday Drive. Turn up some more yardage on the drive. 
The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. And uh, while we've got um, a little bit of time, thought we'd let you hear the post-game, some of the post-game comments from Auburn coach Brian Harson following A-Day. All right, we'll let Coach make an opening comment, and then we'll take your questions. Just raise your hand with Yeah, well, first, just the end of it, it was fun to have that opportunity to end that way um, and it kind of ties into the theme of what spring ball has been just competitive so two-point conversion and that last drive holding um, you know, able to make a throw and and uh, land and making the catch there to give it their team a chance to win the game and that's really been the theme of spring it's just been competition we talked about leadership we talked about chemistry all those things like that but just competing and now moving forward it's going to be about you know, execution and making sure that what we're doing, what we learned from spring and what we're doing moving forward is for us to execute when it's time to go out there and actually play and, and win a football game. But a few things, um, like I said, competition was good. QBs led some good drives. I'm sure you guys will ask questions about that. Uh, opening drives, 13 plays, 80 yards. Uh, Robbie followed that up with a nice drive. Uh, just some penalties that hurt us during that one. Um, talked about Holden. And, you know, I, I think the thing now for our players, just so you guys know what's happening moving forward, the next two weeks there's evaluations with the coaches. This next week there's evaluations with me. And then these guys have finals, and they need to finish up really strong academically. They'll get a little bit of time away. We'll come back into May. We start our summer program, and then we're back at it just from a conditioning and lifting standpoint and just developing these guys as athletes. And then obviously August is the next time we really get together and get a chance to go out there and play football and compete and get ready for the season. So uh, a lot of work to do. And, and I would say that the last 15 practices, I'm proud of our guys. I think they've worked hard. I think they've taken advantage of the opportunities to go out there and, and get better at their position, get better as a team. And now that needs to continue. So to me, the physical part of it, uh, that's going to be – something that, that we're all doing together. That's what the strength staff and the coaches are handling. But it's really the men, the mentality uh, and just the, the mental side of the game. All right, what are they going to do between now and summer, summer up to August, and then through August? How much better can we get before we step out there and play, just so we can play fast? Um, and then last thing, too, just uh, I do want to send our thoughts and prayers out to Jeff Klein, former Auburn QB, um, and uh, was recently hospitalized. So we're wishing him a speedy recovery and um, you know, I know Cole, who was out there today on the field. You know, those guys are, are good friends and, and definitely a guy that's been a part of this program. So uh, it was good to it was good to just sit back and, and watch our guys go out there and just play, get some live work in. Obviously, the quarterbacks aren't live, and the one thing for me that is um, difficult is when those guys aren't. They get touched. They think they broke the tackle. They get touched. They think they got the sack. So um, I never get a win in those situations, but. Those guys um, at that position have competed really hard. They obviously got a lot on their plate, 
uh, trying to learn some of these guys a new system and then also compete. So, uh, but overall, you know, defensively, uh, we had an opportunity for a takeaway in there. Uh, we want to continue with that. I thought up front with the guys and the, uh, the starting defense, they played the run well. Uh, they pressured the quarterback, so it was good to see. We did some things in the back end coverage-wise uh, that I thought was, uh, was good to see from my angle. And then, um, you know, we did get some special teams in there as well, so that was, that was part of it uh, and able to have that, that, uh, that phase of the game in there. So uh, overall, you know, with our guys through 15 practices, uh, some really good work. Now we get to go back and dissect it and, and see where we are going into these, uh, these next couple weeks and, and then see where we're going to go in the summer. So with that, questions? You talk about the uh, tight ends as a group throughout the spring and, and on A-Day. Yeah. Um, well, in what in particular? I can talk about it a lot of ways. Um, what do you, like, specifically? Just, you know, what part of, looks to me like they're going to be a big part of what you're doing yep. this fall. Yeah, well, yeah, they are, and they were last year. I think you got Shanker, who played for us and did some really good things last year. He chose to come back, and he's not playing baseball, and you can tell that his entire focus being on one thing, because it's hard to do that. I mean, that's, He's an elite athlete to be able to do both, and now he hones in on just the football piece. His body is, you know, he's stronger, he's bigger. Um, he's extremely intelligent when it just comes to understanding what we're doing on offense, but how how he can go out there and, and manipulate the defense. And he did a good job. There was one that was over his head, but he got himself open. Uh, but then you see Luke Deal making plays. Uh, we talked about Landon kind of moving out to receiver and, and doing some more of that. Brandon Frazier was making plays today out there from uh, that entire group, Micah. So I like that group a ton. It's just as far as their their mentality. And I think Coach Bedell has done a great job. And you know, when you have a guy like Coach Bedell, he played seven years in the NFL. And so he understands, all right, what it takes to be successful as a player and how he coaches those guys and his mentality. I see that in that group. And then those guys know, like from the run game to the movement to the pass game, those guys need to play well in order for us to be successful. And so they've taken that on themselves to be like, we're going to be the group every day that, that shows up and is consistent and we're making plays and doing our job. And they've, they've done that. Uh, you saw it today, but they've done it all through spring. So uh, we need them. They're a big part of what we do in our offense. I think that showed up today. I'm not sure how many catches they all had, but um, you can see it on the field. <clears throat> Coach, uh, the quarterback, you know, uh, it's a big conversation. Is what, it? What you did last yeah, year. Yeah, you want, you want to talk about the QBs? Yeah, so yeah. what you did last year with, with Bo and, and TJ, are you kind of doing that again? And are, are you? Is it wide open? Are you going to wait until Zach gets a little better? Is there a chance that Robbie could potentially start on this team? Yeah, well, we haven't, we haven't named a starter, all right? So uh, I would say every guy at that position has a chance to be the guy and so um at least as far as i know uh, we haven't named one and that's okay and those guys know that that's not that's not a knock on any one of them it's just this competition continues and what i've told our players i mean they're going to get their opportunities and the best players will play that's how it should be so um and you know what we did last year or or the perception of that and is really has no impact on what we're doing moving forward. 
All right, we're going to decide who a quarterback is. That will happen before we go out there and play. And those guys, um, if it's one guy, if it's other guys that deserve to play, we'll find a role for them on the field. And that's that's no different for me. You know, we play a lot of guys on offense and defense, and, and sometimes as a quarterback, there's one guy out there. But if you deserve to play, we can find a role somehow, some way. So all those guys, and including Zach, Zach didn't get many reps. We didn't get to see Zach today. We can't put him out there. He's got a shoulder injury. Um, but every single rep Zach has had an opportunity to take, I think he's done a pretty good job. So he's going to be in the mix. He's going to be cleared and able to go out there and participate all right, like everybody else. And so come fall, he'll have his, the opportunities just like these guys. We're going to have to, at some point after that first scrimmage in fall, we got to hone it down to, right, here's our top guys, get them more reps, and then make a decision. And, and when we do, uh, we'll name a starter, and then that doesn't mean that other guys won't have a role somewhere on this team. But I like what, what TJ has done this spring. And TJ has played. TJ's got a good command of the offense. Um, TJ has really stepped up as a leader. Uh, it was good to see Robbie go out there and play. Robbie's learning a whole new system. Robbie played baseball. This is the first time just playing football. And um, he's learning something new. You know, he was at Oregon before. You got Zach coming in. He played at A&M. He's learning. And those guys are up there all the time trying to get as much information as they can before they go on the field and practice. Holden is a freshman, and, and I know this, like after practice six and seven, there's a lot. You know, it's it's a lot to digest. And even Holden went out there today and just clipping down the field, made a great throw at the end. Um, it was good to see him just cut it loose in place. So all those guys, they're all competing for that spot, and they're all doing everything they can to put themselves in the best position to succeed so our team our team can go out there and win, so our offense can be productive. And so, yeah, I mean, all the, but they're, you know, they all get along. Um, you got Sawyer Payton there, Trey Lindsey. Those guys are, are part of that as well. So that entire group of quarterbacks, yeah, they're competing, but they're also trying to make sure that whoever does play is going to be a guy that makes a difference for this football team. And we go out there and, and actually play against another opponent and trying to win games. Uh, Ryan, how did everybody come out, other than the guys who are already out here saying, come out healthy, and also what yeah. does Oscar Chapman mean as far as what he does as a punter? I'm glad you asked me that about the punter. I like, you know, I've said this before, and um, I'm a big fan of Oscar. I know, you know we want to score every single time, but you're going to flip the field when you got an elite punter. And I think Oscar is, is one of the best in the country. And, and I say that because I've seen him. Um, he's a phenomenal young man, awesome leader. Um, I think he's, he executes at a high level every time in practice, you know, when it's his opportunity to go out there and, and do what he has to do. Um, so, yeah, he's, that, that helps us with field position. If we can, you know, teams that can win the field position battle, that's a big part of it. So he helps us there. And as far as being healthy today, yeah, as far as I know, everybody was good. And that, that was one of the goals of spring, too. You want to get into it healthy. Um, I'd go back to Wednesday's practice. I mean, we were in full pads. And, and you could feel like at that point, you had a, a couple skirmishes out there. And it's just like, all right, we're at that point right now. We had a helmet practice on Friday. And you guys saw the ice cream truck come out there and all that. Well, that's because Wednesday, man, we was heated. So we needed to make sure that we were all good. 
before we went into the scrimmage. Uh, and so they, I'm telling you, like, you don't get to see all this practice. These guys are going hard. They're getting after it. It is competitive. Um, there's a tremendous amount of fire and passion with these guys. Today was about utilizing our techniques, making sure that before we got to the actual snap of the ball, everybody's lined up. The operation of it um, is what we can control, players and coaches, that that's right, and then playing ball. And just seeing guys tackle, break tackles, catch balls, move around, uh, block people, get off blocks, all those fundamentals that, that show up in the game uh, that we know are important. So, And then coming out of this healthy. Right, that's the one thing. You want to come out of spring ball and you want to be healthy so you can get everybody into summer and let those guys continue their development. And we did that today. That's uh, Brian Harson. Some of his post-A-Day comments. We need to get to our final break of hour number one. We'll continue, but again, if you want to join in, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 here on the Tuesday Drive. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final segment of hour number one here on this Tuesday. And while we've got a couple of more minutes, we'll let you hear some more of the comments from Coach Brian Harson following A Day. And he was asked by uh, by Brian Stoltz, as a matter of fact, uh, a little more about Robbie Ashford. Kind of a live game. Yeah. Well, these, so one of I think one of Robbie's strengths is going to be live, and it's not his fault that he doesn't get the chance to do that. All right, we control that and. And that's what I'm saying. You know, a guy swings his arm out there. You know, is that really going to be a sack with Robbie? Probably not. You know, I mean, he's he's very, very athletic. I mean, you guys could see that today. Um, as far as, like, the rust, I mean, he, he was working hard up to the first practice. You know, the first practice you're getting out there. And I, I really believe this, too, for a quarterback, it's not just when you get into a competitive or a game situation. Like, every rep you take, routes on air, um, seven on sevens, like all that. You've got to be thinking about the game because there's just so many factors that, that are happening around you at all times. And so I would say Coach Keesaw, um, Coach Hartline in that quarterback room, they've done a good job of making sure those guys just mentally when they go in, they're ready. You know, they're focused. And, and I get it. It's hard to – it's seven on seven. I don't have anybody rushing me. i got kickers out there with bags on their hands. Uh, to get yourself in that game mode, but I think our guys did a pretty good job of that. And then today, just going out there and playing, it was good. You know, he did some good things. Got the ball out of his hands, made some good throws. Um, you got to rush, you know, simulating, hey, playing real football and what he would do. I thought he did that today. Uh, rush, the rushing numbers were not great, I guess. I don't know how you would characterize them today. but which, What were they? I mean, I think maybe... 50, 50 yards, 55, 60 yards total, something like that. Um, is that more of, so you had some offensive linemen that were out, yeah. defensive line doing a good job. How would you sort of maybe assess, how do you evaluate that with those guys out today? Well, what you said, I think a little bit, um, you know, we've been running the same things against each other. But I also think our D-line's playing well. I really do. Um, and I would say more so probably our D-line playing better. Um 
Only because I've seen it. You know, I, I sat in Coach Brumbaugh's meeting a couple weeks ago, and, and the way he was teaching those guys, uh, he did a great job. And, and I sat in there from an offensive standpoint. I'm getting so fired up because I don't quite think the guys understand how valuable what he was teaching in that moment was. And so I had to come out and say, like, look, you guys do that. That's going to make it hard on the offense, all right, any offense. You play like this, you do these things. And then I tried to point those out in practice, like that technique, you know, the things that he was talking about, I would show at the team meetings, and then all of a sudden you see more and more of that. So I think our D-line, I think the way he's coaching them, I think the way those guys are playing, um, they did a good job. And, and we get Brahms back and Troxel back and some of these other guys fully healthy. Jeremiah Wright's not fully healthy. Um, you don't have KJ out there. Uh, but you do have guys like Stutz, who's really stepped up. He's had the best uh, performance I've seen him have in camps and practices. Uh, I think Jalil did a really good job at center. He's been asked to do a lot. He's also working on the punt team. And so those guys, um, Colby Smith, you know, I don't know if any of those guys are fully healthy. they got little tweaks here and there, but those guys have stepped up and played. So there were some good things in the run game. But I think our D-line, linebackers, those guys have been playing it well. So it's just that back and forth. Um, but what I would look at is say, all right, we got some short yardage runs in there. Our defense stopped the offense on the short yardage play, a fourth down. We also got some. You know, so those critical moments where you got to get those yards, you know, I think it was probably 50-50 in those Sorry. situations. Hey, Brian, uh, we are talking to Kate Safety earlier, and you obviously did just tell him on the transfer portal for a little bit this year, really quickly in the offseason. He said you sat down with him, Cadillac sat down with him, and he talked about how his role could grow just maybe more outside of between the tackles, more of a dynamic back in the pass game. Uh, we saw some flashes of that today. Uh, is that something when you were pitching for him to stay that you were going to utilize him more as an all-around playmaker? Yeah, well, I'm not going to get into all that. I mean, that's... That's really kind of family business right there. So we'll just leave it at that, I guess. Yeah. TJ is obviously no stranger to competition going back to his days at LSU. How, how did he embrace? Did he, did he embrace these guys coming in and, and the, the, the competition? That yeah. Yeah, TJ is really smart now. And not just not just a playing quarterback. Like I think he's got a good feel, and he understands. He knows there's a competition. He knows that that position needs to play well for our offense to be successful and for our team. And he also, like I said before, I mean he's he's got a good feel out there, but he's he's also helping the other guys at his position too. I mean, you, you think about it, you're competing, and this is this is what I appreciate about the leadership that he's provided this spring. Is he might be out there quizzing some guys on something that he already knows that he had to work through, that he had to get help on, that other quarterbacks or other players helped him. Well, he's trying to do the same thing for guys he's competing against. Hey, what's the formation? What do we do here? How do we check this play? And, and I'm sitting over here, but I hear him, and and those guys are going back and forth, and they do it in meetings. They help each other out, so they're still teammates. They're competing for a spot, but they're still teammates. And I think TJ's got a good understanding of that. Like, look, these are my teammates. Um, you know what? We want to put the best guy out there. I want to be the best guy. But we got to have the best guy on the field. And we need to know these things so that our offense can operate. And that's what I've seen from that group. And I think that's part of Coach Keesaw. I think that's part of you know how that group is being developed. A lot too, but I think a lot of it has to do with TJ. Of just, we know we know the quarterback position needs to play well, and he's 
he's out there trying to help those other guys too with some things he's learned and might be a little bit ahead on and and then it's just go compete you know brian harson some of his comments most of his comments following a day we're halfway done don't forget, coming up in hour number two, Jake Crane of Crane & Company joins us at the bottom of the hour. Wide open till then. Love for you to join in here on the Tuesday Drive. Sports Leader ESPN 1067, a broadcast service of Auburn Network Incorporated. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the drive on a nice looking Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls here in the Wow Business Studio. That's right. You can get the speed you need when you switch to Wow details at WowForBusiness.com. Hour number two of the drive brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at OrthoClinic. Dot com And we welcome your calls, questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And uh, the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840 on the drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Also want to mention that if you ever miss any episodes of the drive, our friends at Southeastern Mm -hmm. Industrial Contractors also sponsor our daily podcast. You can get that wherever you listen to podcasts, ESPNAU.com, the ESPN 106.7 app, or just search your favorite podcast platform for the drive with Bill Cameron. Hour number one, we ran a lot of audio from uh, Brian Harson following A-Day as the Tigers done with spring practice. We'd love your thoughts. What are your thoughts? Have, has your opinion or your expectations for the upcoming football season changed any? What are they now? Anything you want to talk about, though, sports-wise. we got Auburn baseball coming up tonight as the Tigers host Sanford. Man, a beautiful Beautiful night for baseball. Oh, it feels it feels like baseball weather. We're following Major League Baseball really closely here in the drive studio. I know it's been a, I know it's been a uh, you know a slow start for the Braves, but again, uh, they're a hundred. What, what are they? One and three now. They've got a hundred and no, they're they're two it, and three. Okay, two and three. There's there are hundred and fifty seven more games. Slow start for the Braves. You don't want to read too much into opening week performances in major league baseball this is a regular season that's like 26 28 weeks long right i mean mm-hmm. so so don't right. don't go don't go nuts you know about you know 128th of this season having said that 
Not a super inspiring performance from Huasker last um, night. No. A guy who no, who was so good early last year. Yeah, but you know, so good early last. Year. You know, broke the cardinal Bull Durham rule of uh, throwing a punch with his pitching hand. Yeah, Bro- broke. Don't you know? A fight with the wall. The wall is going to win. Sure, but I mean, even if you're gonna if you're gonna punch a wall with the you know, with the glove hand, maybe. I don't know. He's not going to miss as much time. I don't, no, I don't know what the rules true. are there. still not very wise. He hasn't been the same pitcher, though, ever, ever since that no. injury and, uh, and, and was, uh, you know, really struggled last night to, uh, uh, to miss bats, which is an important, important part of the job. Uh, as, right. As a right. starting pitcher. And, uh, yeah, the Nationals were just, uh. You don't miss them. You want them to, to graze. And there's just, you know what? That's some. They, they, they made solid contact way too much. You face, and this, the Braves are included in this, right? There are some really good two, three, fours or three, four, fives in the National yeah, League East. You're right. Where if you're struggling, I mean, and and we talk, and we also talk that the addition of the DH doesn't make it any easier. No, but but yeah. even on a team like Washington, like you, could, oh, the top of their order is still good. You could run into Soto, Cruz, and and uh, Josh Bell, and Philadelphia. You could run into Bryce and Hoskins and Castellanos, Re- 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 Real Muto is you know in, the, in that mix. In in Atlanta, you've got uh, you know the Olson and and uh, you know when Acuna comes back, but you've got Ozzy and and Olson yeah. and and uh, you know guys that can really you know Austin do some Riley. Austin Riley. You've got guys right. who can really do some damage there. Florida, you know, less so. The Mets certainly have some bats right. that can make you pay. And and I mean, just it's a it's a reminder that if you're not a in, in that division, a starting pitcher needs to be you know they they need to have their stuff immediately or it could get ugly and got ugly for Huasker last night and that's a Braves team that I mean we said going into the season back into the rotation felt like the biggest weakness and you got a great start out of Kyle Wright over the weekend you did not get a good start out of uh, Inoa last night no and the Braves making a move. Today, as they call up uh, their their minor league pitcher of the year from last year, is it Bryce Elder? Is I think that that's right. Okay, uh, Bryce. Yeah, um, Tucker Davidson, who was slated to get the start for the uh, Braves tonight, was used and abused last night uh, by by uh, Washington, and he so he was sent to the minors, and they're bringing up Bryce Elder, who is the second Brave from the 2020 draft to be in the majors. Spencer Strider opened the season. He pitched three-plus innings. Very impressive baseball last night. It's, it sounds like, the, uh, it, it sounds like the, the plan was originally to start Davidson today. Oh, yeah. He, but, today was his day, but Noah couldn't make it into the third inning. They had, so, yeah, they had to go. So they, they, had to, had to, they didn't want to use their entire bullpen. Decided to go ahead and pitch Davidson last night and then call up Elder from the minors because it was his turn to start in AAA that's, tonight. That's right. So Bryce Elder will be making his debut, correct, in the uh, right. in, in Major League Baseball as the uh, starter tonight for the uh, for the Braves. And uh, interested to see how uh, that goes for a for somebody who yeah wasn't uh, wasn't expected to be in the rotation this early, but Atlanta knew they were going to have to uh, make some adjustments. With I mean, you've got Freed, you've got Morton, you've got Anderson. After that, you know there there is. Right, Noah, but you've uh, you've you've got some you know now now with Noah you've you know there's there's he'll get another start. Yeah. I mean you you don't toss it out. You no, don't toss no, it out no. After one after one outing, but it did, but it didn't clarify the back end of that Braves no. rotation, and they're and I think they're still sort of figuring out. Aren't they going with the six man? They're going with six, yeah, because okay. right. I mean, otherwise it would be right and and Noah as the as the back end of it. But yeah, we'll we'll see how it uh we'll see how it goes for the Braves. You still feel pretty good about the offense. I mean, a couple of the bats are. 
Yeah, it's as, early. As po- it's yeah, early. but I mean, they're they're as potent as anybody in their positions. I mean, you look you know, at Ozzy and and you know Austin and and Matt Olson. I mean, you don't want to get you don't get worried about anything. No, not more. terribly. The only guys the only guys you get worried about are either the very young or the aging guys who get off to really slow starts because you worry about young guys it getting in their heads, losing confidence. Old guys, you just worry about are they losing it. Certainly. I, I think that's going to be a... I, I'd i be surprised to see anybody run away with that division, right? I mean, that, that feels like it could yeah, be... I agree. It oh, feel, I, I mean, I agree. There's, there's just too much talent at the second and third and fourth spots in that in that particular spot in the, in the National League that just, yeah, tough to imagine somebody, you know, making this thing, uh, you know, having having a very comfortable lead at any point throughout the season. It feels like this thing could get close. Uh, the, the Mets and the Phillies and the... The Nationals, to an extent. Well, and, and you know what? We didn't mention them at all in talking about the NL East. Miami's got pitching, right? I mean, Miami's got starting pitching that can uh, that that can, that can give you some trouble if you don't. I mean, for, for all the talk of the, the potent lineups elsewhere oh, no, in the NL Mi- East, yeah, Miami's got some uh, uh, some outstanding young pitchers. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think it could be uh, yeah, there the, the could be ups and downs for any team in the NL East this year. But Atlanta, yeah, tough start to the year, but it's very early, and they've got some pieces that you just feel great about. Um, some transfer portal news from from football. Uh, Alabama has had quite a few players enter the portal. Uh, they they had another five star running back into the portal in Kamar Wheaton, who's transferring to SMU. Uh, they add former Vandy starting left tackle Tyler Steen, and that is probably the area uh, the biggest concern for Alabama. Bryce Young even commenting, "What a great addition to have." a proven SEC starter on the offensive line joining. Yeah, because Alabama, um, I think, was had the second, allowed the second most sacks of any SEC school last year. Tough to find a place in college football that's done a better job of bringing in players in the portal to, well, to address needs. When, when, yep. when players feel like, I'm going to be playing for a national championship, the odds are... Uh, there's a very good chance we'll be playing for the national championship. We'll be on TV. Everybody's on TV, but I mean, they'll be on national TV every game. And also, um, no schools putting more players into the league. So, oh, yes. right. I mean, no, it makes sense. And it's not just, it's not, I mean, it's, it's Tyler Steen now, the Vanderbilt offensive line, but they also added Eli Ricks. Uh, they also added, um, uh, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, Jam- Jameer Gibbs, who is one of the reasons why those five star running backs are transferring out of Alabama. Jermaine Burton, the, uh, Georgia wide receiver right. is, uh, who, who is, uh, expected to, uh, to, to get right into the mix at wideout. Now they have a, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they could be, there could be four or five. Starters from Alabama that weren't on the team uh, the year before, you know, from uh, from other high profile places uh, that transferred in. And um, and and I mentioned earlier that uh, Damian Robinson. Uh, I mentioned that in the first hour, an edge that Auburn had been interested in, who was uh, transferring out of Maryland, uh, is headed to Penn State. Um, man, speaking of the transfer portal, I was hearing some comment today. I I, I had you, not. You know who else has done really well in the portal? By the way, I, we haven't talked about it as much. We mentioned it earlier in the uh, in the show that they were able to go out and get a, a Jackson Dart. Ole Miss has really yeah. done a good job of getting skill position players to come around. I mean, because they lost a lot to the NFL draft. And Ole they, Miss doesn't doesn't sign as highly touted a recruiting class, but they have done a they've done a much better job of supplementing or bringing in talent. Through the transfer portal, twelve transfers uh, have uh, joined Ole Miss. Uh, 
they have combined to play in 263 career bowl subdivision games. That includes 155, uh, 155 games at the Power 5 level. And uh, there are a group of five uh, transfers, multiple group of five transfers who were first or second team all-conference at their at their previous school, I mean, it's just a really it's a really impressive group that Lane Kiffin has been able to bring in. Uh, Zach Evans is the running back from SMU, who was the nation's top running back uh, coming out of high school a couple years ago from uh, from, from Texas, and and he was uh, that the or it was TCU, wasn't it? The, it was the, the TCU running back Zach Evans who was the nation's top running back or, or a top running back prospect coming out. He's uh, he's one of the many additions for uh, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Um, something I, I had not realized. Do you realize Alabama basketball has had seven players enter the transfer portal since yeah. the end of the season? And we're going to see several underclassmen in the draft too, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it, they're going to have it's possible. It could they're gonna be have basically a new team. I mean, it's going to be. I think year. who's the who's the fellow who transferred in from Furman? Uh, uh, Gurley? For, yeah, Noah Gurley. Okay, so Noah Gurley's staying, and I guess the coaching staff wants him back, and he wants to stay. Mm-hmm. It could be Noah Gurley and an entirely new and team. A new cast. And an entirely yeah. new team around him. <laughs> J.D. Davison looks like he's going in the draft. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's I, what's, I think that's been expected from the outside. I kind of thought he'd maybe play another year of I college basketball. I thought he probably should. I think so, too. Because if he, if he stayed... It's his show, right? Like you, you, you imagine. You, think. you I mean, imagine without. I guess depending on who they who they bring in. But without Shackelford and, and Quiner, like you, yeah. you, you would think that's that's a, um, yeah, that that would be the, the JD Davison show. You know, he he could he could have he could have you know full full run of the the place and get all the all the usage he wants. Instead, he's ready to start his professional career. No, it's going to be. We're seeing that in a couple of places in the SEC, right? LSU. Won't have a single player back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia won't have a single player back. The difference there is that they made coaching changes. Right. Nate Oates is bringing Nate, uh, Noah Gurley back. But, but here's here's the thing. I heard this as well, too. These are all players that Nate Oates brought in who are all leaving. Yeah. You know, I mean, Auburn, Auburn fans about lost their minds over all the football players going in the transfer portal. Those weren't players, for the most part. Uh, there have been very few that were brought in by Brian Harson. These are Nate Oates recruits, and well, there have been that, a decent. There's been a decent list of players that have been brought in by Bruce Pearl that have left in the transfer portal. That's that's yeah, not not seven in a not, year. Not seven in a year. You're right. That's that's unusual um, to see seven in a uh, in a seven year. in a year. That that would be like forty football players, like, right? Because you've only got thirty. You've only got 13 scholarships. So more than half of your scholarship players are entering the portal. Do you get the sense, though, I mean, do, you, do you get the sense that these are guys that Nate Oates wanted back? No, I don't. Yeah. I mean, but, that's, but he brought them in. He brought them in, but, I mean, that doesn't... It's like, yeah, you're not good enough. I, yeah. I thought you were. I can do better. Or I'm... I mean, we're, I, mean I, I, don't, I, I don't know if that's exactly what Nate Oates is thinking, but, I, I mean, I think you're probably on the right track as far as... I mean, <laughs> I mean looking, at, looking at the group he's brought in and saying, well, you know, we got to... We, we got we got to go find a better group than this if we're going to win enough to to keep folks happy at Alabama because it is it is crazy to think after the last two years which have been all told pretty successful two run you know two two seasons for for NATO it's even if they didn't win as much as people would have liked this year there's an SEC championship there's a a tournament championship two two NCAA tournament appearances 
it it does seem like he would he would really have some explaining to do if Alabama underachieved next year, right? Because you think about yeah, the think so. you think especially about the trajectory, if Auburn, especially if Auburn continues to win. Maybe he's feeling maybe. a little bit of pressure as maybe. far as you know. We we gotta we get we gotta do better than we did this year, or you know you can't can't keep the. Uh, you know, you'll have the you'll have the barbarians at the gate, right? You know, right, ready to uh, mm-hmm. ready, ready to kick uh, kick in the door. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'll get to our first break of hour number two again. Uh, reminder that Jake Crane of Crane and Company will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. We'll get his thoughts on Auburn's A Day and quite a few other things, I'm sure as well. Uh, we still got time for you to join us. Between now and then, though, 334-321-1390, that's the Kia of Auburn hotline as we continue here on the Tuesday Drive. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls, and let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Brett is up first. Hey, Brett. Hey, Bill. I I feel like you hit the nail on the head there. Um, The reason for the big change in the roster at Alabama is Alabama's had one winning season against SEC opponents in the last five years, two in the last nine, while Auburn's won an SEC uh, championship of some kind uh, three times in the last five years. That, yeah, I don't. I don't think that is a. Yeah, I don't think that is a small or insignificant factor. <laughs> I agree. Oh, I, I would say it's a huge factor. Um, as far as JD Davidson, uh, you know they've got uh, one uh, Jay. Well, I believe his last name's Bradley. Coming in the freshman, and they also got that uh, Sears to play points. So I. I think that would basically seal J.D. Davidson. No, the, leaving. That's you know one thing we didn't mention in talking of of the uh, of the attrition rate in Alabama signing classes is they it, have. Yeah, they're they're bringing in yeah. you know one of the one of the top high school classes in in the country you know which which may have something to do with some of these players deciding uh, to find uh, new homes. But yeah, I just I just thought after you know maybe after the season Davidson had he might want to play another year of college basketball and further develop his skills. But at the same time, you know, a lot of guys are eager to uh a lot of, a lot of guys are eager to jump into professional basketball and uh you know either on the hopes that they can improve their stock in workouts between now and uh the 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 actual draft or uh, they can play their way into the league uh even even if they don't go exactly where they want it on draft night. Yeah, but Dan, there's not a whole lot of people from uh, Lita Hatchie making a couple of million dollars a year, so I, <laughs> I'm I'm not shocked at all that he's leaving. No, and, and I think the plan all along was to one and done. You know what I mean? And that and that can be a situation yeah. where you know even if you know even if your season doesn't go the way you wanted to, it it doesn't it doesn't get enough. You know, it, it doesn't do enough to get you to to play another one. Yeah. All right. Y'all have a great day. Appreciate it, Brett. Yeah, you're you're right, Dan. I mean, they. Uh, no question. This this is probably as highly touted a signing a basketball signing class as Alabama's ever had. That's coming in. Uh, it'll be interesting to see again. The challenge now for so many coaches is how quickly can you get a cohesive unit playing together with so many new faces yearly. 
it, it seems like that's going to be the challenge of coaching big time college basketball yeah. now. I mean, maybe you can maybe you can be the coach who has a system and has upperclassmen that that I mean, Bruce Pearl might have a couple of upperclassmen that have been in the system for a couple of years. Jalen Williams, he keeps talking about as someone who's going to make a big uh, jump this season. Jalen Williams will be the rare example of a third-year player who spent a couple of seasons, or what, fourth-year player, right, for, for Jalen? Yeah, he'll be a fourth-year fourth, player. Fourth-year player who spent a couple of seasons uh, contributing off the bench or or was you know had, had to sort of work their way back into a big part of the offense. So, yeah, it's... Um, it seems like that'll be the exception, and for the most part, you'll see massive roster turnover at the places at the at the schools that disappoint because there's going to be pressure to improve, and you might see coaching changes. And at schools that succeed, the best players are going to move on, and they're going to try their luck in the NBA draft. And schools are going to be trying to reload with guys who have succeeded elsewhere in college basketball. It's, it seems like now the the question is how prepared are you to navigate? a transfer portal and one and done driven world of college basketball because that's you'd better be i mean because you you'll be just completely left behind if you're not and maybe some of the retirements we've seen in recent years have been from guys that maybe don't want to be in that version you don't want to have to deal with the uh, with the, the the nil and the transfer like, portal like I, the, I think liked it better the way it used to be yep. I, I i don't know i mean it it's, ain't going back i mean it may, i mean there's there's other any number of reasons why guys might have retired as well but uh, no i think it's uh you know, it's a question that that the SEC is dealing with. We were, I, I, I think I said this off the air, right? The rumor about a couple of SEC coaches that that that's out there regarding. Right. Um, I mean, this is. Well, is there any reason you can't mention them on? Well, the no, I'll, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it too. But to set it up, I mean, Calipari would be somebody who's been dealing with this for a long time. years. Roster yep. turnover and trying to navigate, even though he has that lifetime contract with Kentucky. Sure, but he's trying to he's been trying to figure out how to, you know, put together a new roster every year, mm-hmm. you know, since he since he got to Kentucky, that's the challenge. Seems like Eric Musselman at Arkansas is someone who's prepared to reshuffle the deck every single year, bring in high, you know, big-time prospects, fill gaps with the transfer portal, watch a lot of underclassmen leave his program, go play somewhere else. Yeah, the um the Lakers fired Frank Vogel on, I guess it was right after the regular season ended. And there's a long list of possible next head coach of the Lakers, uh, you know. Why shouldn't possibly, there be? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of potential candidates and, uh, you know, rumored about. And two names that would have some regional interest would be, uh, Jerry Stackhouse, a former teammate of LeBron James. Apparently, LeBron and some of LeBron's people hold Jerry Stackhouse in, uh, very high regard. And, and, you know, I know there's some people going, yeah, but Van, how much, what has Vandy done? Vandy hasn't done anything that has shown that Jerry Stackhouse isn't a good coach. Jerry Stackhouse looks like a pretty good basketball yes. coach to me. Like, I just, I'm watching, and you know what it is? Sometimes it's not win-loss results, too. You watch the team, like the, mm-hmm. some of the, right. some of the sets, some of the way they get, you know, some of the things they do to get Scotty Pippen the ball or get, I mean, it, you can tell that Jerry Stackhouse, not just, he didn't just play guard in the NBA for nearly two decades. He also, uh, was uh, on on an NBA bench for for a couple of years as an assistant coach and got a team uh, uh, you know prepared uh, you know, that way. So I, I think um, it it's uh, yeah I, I I'm not surprised at all to see Jerry Stackhouse considered maybe for NBA jobs this off season. The Lakers would be a big jump, but 
you know, if if LeBron's running the show and LeBron likes Jerry Stackhouse, I think uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Jerry Stackhouse's name uh, in, uh, in in real consideration. And the other the, the other one that I thought was really interesting about Lakers rumors, the other possibility would be if the Lakers move on from LeBron James this offseason, if they want to go put LeBron somewhere where he has a better chance of winning a championship in what could be one of his last years in the NBA, if the Lakers become a team built around Anthony Davis, maybe John Calipari could be a candidate as the coach who won a national championship with Anthony Davis when Davis was at Kentucky. You know, if you're trying to find a coach who could get the absolute most out of Anthony Davis, you think he still could, still can now? I mean, it's not I don't know. like it's not like it was last year. It was a decade ago, you're right. I mean, I just wonder if that would be, I mean, if you're if you're trying to build around Anthony Davis and you're the Los Angeles Lakers, is John Calipari the craziest idea as a guy who could maybe uh you know would would have the I guess would have not, would have the makeup to to coach in that atmosphere and also uh, a guy who could who could figure out a way to get the most out of Anthony Davis he's, he's which had, is, yeah he's had to deal with um you know with with players that knew they were really good a lot of them for years so I don't know and you know I, I guess since we're mentioning the, the possibility of a college coach uh, joining the Lakers the, I guess the other really fascinating one would be you know LeBron has always had such respect for Coach K. It doesn't feel like this. It doesn't <laughs> no, seem like this would be the time. Doesn't seem very I know, likely. I know the Lakers. Was it when Phil retired the first time as a Laker, and they traded Shaq, mm-hmm. and Kobe Bryant was sort of you know it, it, he took over, and it was now his his team. That was when the Lakers almost hired Coach K. If you remember, that was they they had a very very significant sort of uh, courtship of Coach K to maybe take over the team in two thousand four. Ultimately, he decided to stay in. Um, in in at, at at Duke, but no, he was he considered coaching the team twenty years ago. Circumstances were very different. Uh, I, oh yeah, I don't I don't think it would I don't think it's going to happen uh, this year. Um, I think Phil Jackson would also be a surprise, right? At that point, I mean that's Phil Jackson would be several years older at this point. Although that's I mean his, his name's been mentioned, so I mean you, you hear you hear legends you know talked about there. But yeah, a lot of uh, it started with with SEC coaches. Uh, Mentioned as as candidates, but yeah, and any number of. I think I saw your name on a, on a list or two, Bill, of, uh, of, of possible next coach of the uh, of the LA Lakers. The con, I don't know, the cost of living. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I don't it's know. tough. I mean, I'm sure it would be <laughs> similar to my to, like, comp- to my current compensation. Do we want to let you commute? Um, they cover the cost. That's right. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, we're coming up on the bottom of the hour again. Um, Jake Crane of Crane and Company will be joining us. We've got Auburn baseball coming up uh, about 35 minutes from now. Auburn and Sanford. Sonny Desh- yeah, you mentioned this. Sonny Deshera, who has just been a phenom for Auburn. Uh, two more homers in his last ball game Sunday as Auburn takes two out of three from Vandy. Um, I'm sure Sanford would like, would like Sonny to just uh, take a night off and, and rest. And get ready for the big road trip that they're going to be starting tomorrow. Speaking of Sonny, he should be joining us tomorrow in the 530 uh, segment, hopefully, as as the team is uh, traveling. I think they'll be traveling tomorrow to Starkville getting ready for the Mississippi State matchup. That's right. Hope, hopefully we'll be able to get with uh, with, with Sonny uh, tomorrow. We're uh, looking forward to our chance to uh, to talk with the uh, the player who I believe is leading the nation 
in OPS right now yes, in, uh, in college baseball. I mean, one of the top power hitters. He is, he is right at the top of the nation in uh, batting average, on-base percentage, and slugging percentage. Yeah, re- really playing well. So, it's uh, yeah, it's going to be great to talk with him. And, uh, yeah, we're thrilled about uh, the, the way he's uh, started his Auburn career. And you want to let everybody know about, uh, we've mentioned Thursday. That's right. We? Yeah, John Samuel Schenker, Auburn tight end, who joined us uh, throughout the season as part of Tiger Takes. He will be uh, talking with us on Thursday in the in the, uh, in the five o'clock hour. We're going to talk with uh, John Samuel about uh, spring practice and uh, and a day and how uh, how he feels things are going for the team. Jake Crane joins us when we come back. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final 25 minutes here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan here in the Wow Business Studio. Drew at the controls, and we're going to go to the Kia of Auburn hotline and welcome in our next guest, a regular Tuesday afternoon guest here in this time slot. That, of course, is Jake Crane of Crane & Company. Jake, how are you doing today? Hey, Bill. I'm doing great. appreciate you all having me back. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's a great time. Uh, You know, with... We we've talked a good bit, given so given a lot of our thoughts on on Auburn's A Day, where a lot of folks are like, man, that was the most boring. Nah, you haven't watched many spring games if you think that was the most boring <laughs> spring game ever. But but we were uh, really looking forward to getting your thoughts of um, mm-hmm. you know your 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 thoughts and maybe if if anything um, about your expectations for Auburn have changed any at all after watching the A-Day game? Uh, you know, obviously when you're able to see a, a scrimmage, you know, of that, you know, kind of an importance where they know other people are watching, you can really find out about some guys. Uh, the roster's obviously, from a depth standpoint, not where it needs to be. I know there's some guys that didn't play in the scrimmage. Uh, the first thing you're going to look at, and people are going to talk about the quarterback play, you know, Robbie Ashford, I thought. Uh, you know, from a decision-making standpoint, you know, timing standpoint, he's a little better than I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a lot of baseball in his background. So it, it really didn't surprise me watching him, you know, throw the ball and have some success there. I still think it's going to default to T.J. Finley, which I'm not super excited about. Uh, look, looking at, at kind of the play calling, the way it was ran, Auburn was pretty base, uh, which you're going to get in a lot of spring games, uh, especially when you have a quarterback competition. You don't want to kind of – overhaul one quarterback with a bunch of complex stuff and, and not put the other one in the same position. So I thought they were somewhat base. Uh, I thought the tackling was better than what I thought it was going to be, uh, even at the end of spring. But if I'm looking at overall, and, and I don't think Auburn's going to be as bad as what people are saying. I mean, you got people picking them dead last in the West. I, I worry about the depth 
up front on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, it's going to be something that we continue to talk about. Uh, the portal's still open. You can still, you know, there'll be a guy pop in there. There's been a couple that have popped in there recently that I think could add something. But I don't know if Auburn's roster is going to be able to compete for a championship. Could they get to eight, nine wins? I think that would be the ceiling right now. You mentioned that you think T.J. Finley uh, is still in uh, you know top position as far as the uh, the battle to be Auburn's starting quarterback in 2022. What did you think of uh, of T.J.'s performance on Saturday? What uh, what is he doing well? What what do you think he still needs to improve on if uh, if this offense is going to thrive with Finley playing quarterback? Well, you know, you got to have weapons around you, number one. Uh, still very excited about Tarvaris Dawson. You know, I, I know there's a couple other experienced guys that Auburn has, and you look at the tight end rooms, really experienced. They've got some talent there, which is a good blanket. TJ was, was – my thing with TJ is, you know, what is his ceiling? Because when I watch him, it's, I worry about the way he moves in the pocket a little bit. He's not a great scrambler, so you don't really have to defend that if you're a defense. You're not ever really going to put a – a spy on T.J. Finley, he's going to have to be an elite thrower of the ball from hash to hash. He's going to he's going to have to be able to throw the whole shot versus cover two, which he has the arm to do it, but you got to have the accuracy to do it. And then the touch on the deep ball, uh, I still worry that he doesn't have a great feel for the changeup. You know, he uses analogy on the show all the time. You look at pitchers in Major League Baseball; they just can't go out there and throw the fastball every pitch, or eventually you're going to start getting hammered. T.J. Finley, to me, still doesn't have great touch on the deep ball or any throw that's not the fastball. Uh, I mean, you look at, at throws to <clears throat> the running back. You look at throws over the middle that if you heat up too much can get tipped regardless if it's low or high, and they turn into interceptions and sometimes pick sixes. So uh, I just worry about the overall ceiling of T.J. Finley, but I do think he's really comfortable within the offense. I just worry when you're not super dynamic and you're not able to do multiple things at quarterback in a league where the defenders are super dynamic and can do multiple things. Talking with Jake Crane from Crane and Company on the Tuesday edition of The Drive, getting his thoughts on A-Day and everything else going on in the world of Auburn sports. Yeah, Robbie Robbie Ashford really caught a lot of folks' eyes. I mean, and, and I know that, uh, you know, um, that, that Brian Harson seemed pretty pleased not just with the play of his quarterbacks, he really he really seemed pleased and and I guess sort of content with the way things have gone here this spring. I guess you compare it to a, <laughs> some of the crap that's gone on over the last year. Why wouldn't he be? Yeah. But, but no, I agree. I agree with you, Jake. I mean, uh, I, I don't think this is championship caliber because of because of some depth and some other issues. But uh, if they can keep guys healthy. They've got a chance to win some ball games with the schedule they have. They have to be able to run the ball better than they could Saturday, though. Yeah. Again, it, and I hate it because I feel like I come here, come on here every week and say it. <laughs> like the difference between Georgia and Alabama and what A and M's doing and what LSU has somewhat been able to do here every now and then is up front, and it's not just up front on one side of the ball. It's not just having a great D line. There's been so many years where Auburn has had a, an unbelievable D-line but didn't win a championship because offensively they couldn't score enough points. Eventually, if you're not somewhat balanced up front on both sides of the ball, you fall off the beam. Auburn from a just – and again, I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm, I'm going to be a realist. Like, y'all don't bring me on here to just tell everybody how good everything is. Auburn from a talent standpoint on the offensive line is very, very far away 
from where Alabama and Georgia and A&M and some of these other teams are in their defensive line. Until that gets fixed, there is no answer. That There's not one. Regardless of what you run, you might as well start running the triple option. Until that talent gap, and it doesn't have to be even, Auburn doesn't have to be more talented than Alabama or Georgia uh, on the offensive line compared to their defensive line. But you got to be somewhat close. And right now, regardless of pro style, if you want to run the fun and gun, the air raid, or invent something with 11 people, it doesn't work. And until that gets, until that gets changed, Tank Bigsby is an NFL back. He's a first-round back. But this is not basketball and it's not baseball. And you can't do it by yourself every now and then. So until that gets fixed, there is no answer. I, I don't know another way to put it. I guess the question would be, I mean, with, with Bama and Georgia and, and like you said, A&M recruiting in a way where it seems like at the line of scrimmage, you know, they're, they're comparable there. How many teams in the league, you know, are, are in Auburn's position where they're, they're far away from the best teams in the conference at the line of scrimmage? Or is it a problem where Auburn has work to do to catch up even to the SEC West at the line of scrimmage in your mind? Well, I'm looking around right now, and just looking at the West, Sam Pittman, they look pretty good on both sides of the ball up front at Arkansas right now. A&M just signed the best class in the world. Alabama typically assigned every other best class in the world. Brian Kelly and LSU have some momentum, and LSU basically recruits itself. Now, they don't have a ton of great lineman prospects in that state, but even a guy like Will Campbell last year is going to anchor their left side of the offensive line because he's that good of a player. Kiffin's, uh, working, old, Kiffin's working the portal Kiffin, as well yeah, as anybody. No Kiffin's working the portal. They got that kid from Western Kentucky who, who I thought was a really good player. Uh, Mississippi State with Leach. You know, they're always interesting. Right now, Auburn is mid-tier at best. I'm talking about on the offensive line. They're mid-tier at best because here's the thing. People always say, oh, well, is this our, our offensive line compared to Arkansas' offensive line? No, it's not. Offensive lines don't go against each other. It's right. that offensive line versus mm-hmm. their defensive line. I always laugh when people are comparing offensive lines. Well, this and other, well, that's not who you're playing. No, that's a great. I love that, Jake. I've been saying that for I don't know how long. When people go, well, in this matchup, so and so has the advantage on the offensive line. So and so has the advantage on the defensive line. Well, it's how big is the advantage when they're going against each other? And maybe my, yeah. you know, may, maybe my running back core isn't as deep as yours. But if I've got a better starter, then then who cares? So no, that's a great point. Exactly. Yeah, and again, we say this in the NCAA tournament all the time. Styles make fights, right? You watch Georgia Southern when Alabama had one of their best defensive lines. Georgia Southern went up there and sliced and diced them for 300 and put up a bunch of points on the board because of what they ran and the tight players they had to run it. The problem Auburn has is you're trying to run a pro-style offense, which means we go big on big a lot. We go big on big. It isn't somewhere we're trying to get the ball out super quick. You know, you're going to get some sprint out whatever, but it's not something that's designed to make up for your weakness. So it's somewhat fit trying to fit a square peg into a round hole when you have the personnel that Auburn has on the offensive line and you want to run a pro-style system. Pro-style system also, play action, takes a while. Not only do you really got to sell the fake, but you got to be sturdy on the backside in case the end sniffs it out. Against the teams that Auburn has to beat to do the things that Auburn fans expect, and they should expect because the standard at Auburn I just don't know if they have the cats up front. And I will be the first one to tell you, if Auburn comes out and that offensive line is way better than what I thought, which is always a possibility, you never know, I'll be the first to admit I was wrong. But I still don't see it. 
One thing they do have is they have some talent at the tight end spot. They caught around a dozen passes on Saturday, and I think quite a few of those guys have improved. Brandon Frazier, where's that guy been? He is the Brandon Frazier that everybody was looking for a couple of years ago when he came in. Yeah, well, you know, ever since he made Bedazzled, I I don't know where – no, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Auburn may have one of the top five tight end rooms in the country. They, they, They probably do. And they've got guys that can kind of do multiple things. Mm-hmm. What you will see, the, but the, all year, the most important thing the tight end will do is not catch the ball. It is helping block and chipping for protection mm-hmm. and doing the things to kind of ease the pressure on the edge of that offensive line. And once they become a threat in the passing game, which I know with the system that, that, that Harson wants to run because it's Harson's offense, that tight end is going to be utilized and you have multiple ones means you have multiples, uh, multiple of depth. So I would not be shocked at all to see the tight ends catch way more passes been a long, we've seen a long time at Auburn. Talking with Jake Crane from Crane & Company here on the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Jake, something we were talking about earlier in the show that I'd love to get your thoughts on. This is a really interesting year in the conference as far as how many schools have gone out and brought in a new quarterback with some college football experience transfers that look like they're going to be starting at their new school, whether it's uh, Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, uh, Jackson Dart at Ole Miss, Max Johnson at A&M, uh, uh, Daniels at, at LSU. I mean, it seems like there's a lot. Zach Calzada, even at Auburn. Right. seems like there's a lot of, of, uh, of quarterbacks that, that could be uh, you know, given the chance to make an impact immediately. Do you really like uh, any of the new additions into the conference? Anybody that's really got you, uh, uh, got, got you excited to see what they can do in 2022? Man, I think Max Johnson going to A&M is going to be a lot bigger than any of us realize, especially after watching Haynes throw the ball in the spring game, coming off that injury. We still hadn't seen him a lot in live action. Uh, we know what Max is. Max has won big games. He's made big throws. You always believe in a, in a quarterback son, especially to play at the level that his dad did. So I think Max Johnson's going to end up probably being the biggest surprise in the Southeastern Conference to me, uh, especially looking after spring. And that's the nature of the game now. I mean, you, you look at it, what's the most important position on the field? It's quarterback, then it's offensive tackle, then it's defensive end. So teams that are able, and you see what Alabama's done, go out and grab an Eli Ricks at LSU, the corner. It, the schools that are the smartest, which are the ones that always win, that we always talk about, they're going to go snipe the positions of need in the transfer portal. And what's the one thing when you're recruiting a kid out of high school that regardless of how good of a recruiter you are, how smart of a coach you are, you can't put experience in them. You can't put the speed of the game at this level in them. You can't put that moment where it's, you know, there's, there's 100,000 people there and you've got to make a play and the ball is coming your way. That, that is something that is, you just have to go through. And it takes a humongous chunk out of the learning process when you're able to move like, like they can move now with the transfer portal. All you really have to learn is the terminology. And then you look at a guy like Caleb Williams who goes to USC with Lincoln Riley to play quarterback. He doesn't have to learn any new terminology. He's just showing up to a different place, different uniform. All right, guys, here's what we're running. And then there's Jackson Dart, who didn't have you know a, a super decorated career at USC, but whenever a quarterback is brought in by Lane Kiffin, right, you just you just assume that that he's about to uh, you know he, he, his stock's about to uh, to skyrocket. Yeah, it's like when Bruce Pearl signs a five star from Atlanta. I believe he's going to probably be pretty good. Um, look, Lane Kiffin is one of the best in the business, not only at, at coaching a quarterback and what to run offensively and, and knowing how to mix it, but knowing how to evaluate guys, uh, not only from a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint. I think there's kind of a, a line of thinking that Lane Kiffin likes in his quarterbacks. Uh, you know, you look at kind of the moxie of some of the guys that he's had, that kind of, you know, 
slightly cocky, slightly arrogant, I'm not afraid to make this throw, we'll run any play against anybody at any time type guy. And I guess he's seen that in Jackson. And I, I wouldn't sleep on Lane and how good a quarterback's going to do. I just That's a dangerous game. No, and, and this is going to be a crazy time here because... Bet against that offense at your uh, own risk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking how many pl- more players are about to hit the portal because you've got till May 1st for players to be eligible yeah. this fall. So, I mean, it's about to be insane. I mean, every time I check, you know, there, there's there are a few more players coming in and football and basketball players are just pouring into the portal right now. Yeah, well, after spring, a lot of guys know where they stand. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of guys went after the season and said, Coach, I may need to transfer. And the coach said, well, you ought to go through spring and then see where you stand at the end. Uh, or some guy may have transferred in, you know, over over Christmas break or something like that and then found out, you know, he may not be able to play here or something happened. Uh, so you're going to get a lot of spillover from that. It's kind of a changing of the guard situation uh, from a roster standpoint at the end of spring. Now we're wrapping up spring games. Uh, so you're going to continue to see it. You just hope if, if you're somebody like an Auburn or somebody that's you know on the market hard for an offensive lineman that you run into one. Oh, no question. Well, I just wondered. I mean, um, you hear any any anything at all? Does there seem to be any interest in the uh, the former Georgia lineman? Um, they wouldn't be guys that could help Auburn this year, but they would fit into something that Auburn could really use, and that is someone for after 2022. Yeah, I mean, uh, look. The interest is obviously there from Auburn. I don't feel good enough to say either way, you know, if if they should feel very confident right now. Uh, But you've got to find it somehow. And, again, it's a good point, Bill, you bring up. You know, coaches don't recruit just year by year. You're you're having to keep track of the numbers, you know, behind who you're losing. Now with the transfer portal, you don't know who the hell you may be losing and when you may be losing them. Mm -hmm. So having to keep track of that and recruit for multiple years, you typically recruit in years of three uh, you've got to go out and, and kind of shake every bush you can uh, when you inherited what they inherited. Uh, but still, you've been here over a year, been here through a season, so you went through a class that really didn't know you, that were just graduating. Now, now you've had a year to recruit these kids. You're going to have two years to recruit the class after that, and so on and so forth. So you've got to turn over every stone and, and try and make a play. Spending a little time with Jake Crane. Jake, we're, we're getting short on time, so let everybody know, I mean, uh, what they'll find, what, what you got coming up on Crane yeah. & Company. Oh, man. Well, we've had a big week so far, so uh, you can find us, uh, Crane & Company, C-R-A-I-N, uh, and Company uh, on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, we go live every day, two to, every weekday, 2 to 3 Central. We also do a Saturday special. But uh, we had Herschel Walker on Monday talking about SEC football. Uh, what he thinks, you know, how's it going to go down with Georgia this year and, and coming off a national championship, which I know the Auburn audience out there is just thrilled to hear about. But uh, he actually likes Brian Harson a lot, too. Uh, then today we had Jonathan Isaac on, a uh, player for the Orlando Magic, talked a little about Chumo, Kiki, and him coming back, and, and he's got a book coming out. So you can go to there, thedailywire.com, and check us out. Great stuff, Jake. Thanks again, man. Really appreciate it, and look forward to talking to you again next week. All right, y'all be good. All right, take care. Jake Crane, Crane and Company, definitely check that out. We need to get to our final break of the afternoon. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. And on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. 
Welcome back in. Final couple of minutes here on the Tuesday Drive. Let's quickly get to the Kia of Auburn hotline and Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Hey, how are y'all? Doing fine. Um, I just heard you mention that uh, the Georgia linemen would have to sit out a year if they transferred to Auburn. If they transfer uh, anywhere in the conference, the SEC had a rule that they had to be uh, in the portal by February to be eligible for the fall. Well, what about the tackle from Vandy? Is he a graduate transfer? Yeah, I believe he has a grad transfer, so he would be oh, okay. eligible. He might have also been in the portal before the deadline. He was. You're right. Yeah, he, he might have. I think. It, I think because it, it's when you. It's when you it's enter. When you enter the portal. That's right. Yeah, it's That's it's exactly when you right enter the transfer right. portal. Yeah, and so, so Steen may not be a graduate, but if you were if you were already in the portal, uh, you didn't have to make a decision by just be in the portal by that date. Okay. Well, I'm a little confused about that, but that clears it up. The, yeah, it was the a rule. Transfer portals. Crazy stuff. Oh, you're not kidding. I mean, that was a rule that a lot of people missed. And uh, Barrett Sally, who we usually have on on Tuesday, was one of the first guys that wrote that. And uh, a lot of folks had missed that. And I think there there's some SEC players that didn't realize that and missed their opportunity to transfer within the conference and play yeah. this year. Okay, appreciate the info. Hey, good call, Jerry, and that's a good question. Uh, so, so, yeah, that's why I was talking about, you know, either Amarius Mims or Clay Webb. Since neither of those are going to be uh, so, graduates, they would not be eligible to play this fall. Sounds like Matt Luke had a, a big part in uh, getting both those guys to come to Georgia. And so Matt Luke's resignation maybe has something oh, to do have. with yeah. the decision for both of those guys to go into the portal. Uh, the rumor on Mims is Miami and Florida State uh, battling for hmm. uh, position for... Uh, for uh, well, he could play at either of those schools this fall. See, that's, that's probably a big, big factor. Right. Uh, our thanks to uh, Jake Crane for joining us, everyone for, uh, for, for for listening in as well. But uh, we're out of time here on the Tuesday Drive. Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers, AU Tigers, joins us tomorrow in hour number one. Sonny DeShara joins us in hour number two. We hope you will as well. That's going to do it for the Tuesday Drive. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here.